G'day and welcome to the Women's Footy Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Eliza Morrison. Eliza, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So as I start all of these interview-based episodes, I'm going to ask the same question. What did we interrupt in your day today? Um, I was actually about to jump on this call and then we, our AFRW girls are in the off-season at the moment and I had three of them who are very young, 19, 20, energetic girls, um, have gone to WA at the moment and they just called me because they had a time trial to do. So they were pretty excited because it was done. Um, but, yeah, they called me, which was pretty cute, to kind of debrief their run and just say hi. So, yeah, it's been a fun day so far. They're excited that the time trial is done or that they got to do a time trial because that's not that common. They're very excited that it's done and that it's a Friday <laughs> and their week is done of ever training which I think they can just kick back on the beach now so yeah so you bring up that you've got some girls over in WA what club are you referring to working with these girls at uh at Richmond with the AFLW so of course you're a strength and conditioning coach at Richmond with the AFLW side just we're going to get into this but tell me a little bit about that role yeah, so it's a pretty unique role where I think overall where AFLW is at at the moment, um, each club's doing it pretty differently where they spread their resources and how many staff I guess they have full time. So my role um, is a little bit of everything, but the main role, so I'm high performance manager with the women, but then I also do some operations and then also some analytics across the men's and the women's. So it's a way to sort of provide a full-time role and squeeze a little bit more out of me rather than having, you know, having to still fund something but not be a full-time role, if that makes sense. So so is it full-time? Are you working there full-time? Yeah, All yeah, 12 full-time. months of the year? Yeah, all 12 months, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so from – Next Friday, I'll go back um, and do, yeah, work work with the men's program. Um, so kind of help service out in, um, I'm like on the side, which I think helps with the high performance stuff, but a bit of a data and stats nerd. So I'll um, help out more so with some of the champion data stats and game plan and those sort of insights, which is good balance. And how did that role come about? Um, I was, was actually what I was doing at Geelong Footy Club. So I, and Tennis Australia, so first ever full-time role was at Tennis Australia. Um, I worked as a performance analyst. So that was purely doing like opposition analysis, like coding, tagging, those sorts of things, technology. And then, and I, it was the absolute like dream job. I could have stayed there forever, which I think I would have, um, but I sort of recognised that and thought, no, nah, I need to go somewhere and learn and then potentially, you know, who knows, go back to tennis one day. But um, I had a friend, Jackie Tran, at the time who was working at Geelong Footy Club and she said, there's, you know, one of our analysts has just left footy. Like, I think you'd be great for this role. So I worked there um, as a performance analyst, so working purely um, with sort of sports code huddle, like, game day in the box, um, working pretty closely with uh, Matthew Knights, the midfield coach, sort of helping with um, tagging some vision and stats. And I think because I've always had that, like, background, um, it's, yeah, I've always had that kind of thirst for still doing that. So then this year the head data analytics uh, manager left from Richmond and they've employed someone new, but the new person just said, like, hey, I'd love 
a little bit more help in this area. And, um, yeah, the men's footy manager was like, can you code and can you do this and can you do that? And I was like, yep. And he's like, do you want to start doing some more stuff in the men's? I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So, um, yeah, just kind of opportunity met to, yeah, to just um, broaden across the men's a bit more, which is great. I love that. What do you say to people when it comes to that type of mentality? Because it could, you could easily have gone the other way and said, oh, no, I'm not too sure if I can do this. Is that something that you do in all areas of your life all the time? Just, I'm just going to take this on and I'm just going to just roll yeah. with it? Um, yeah, I think so. Like I think it's kind of been my biggest strength and my, you know, hardest kind of learning sometimes is, and even my role at the moment, like it's across so many areas that I, I really, really love it. Like I grew up um, loving sport, but I always had this kind of data technology like nerd in me where I just, you know, I'd be the one that would make like the videos for people's 21st or like, you know, the CD back in my day, like at parties, you'd make like the CD mixes for people, friends, like cars and those sorts of things. And <laughs> I think like, when yeah when I finished school I was like I can either go down this kind of movie production sort of technology side and then sport can be my hobby or I can go down the sport side and then have technology kind of be my hobby but I think for me I'm pretty lucky where any opportunity I get in either areas I just never want to I just never want to stop learning so the moment I kind of repeat things for too long I'm like nah what's next or like how can I add something that's gonna yeah help me and like I think also I've been very lucky to work at some really good organizations so I want to give back and help as much as I can as well because they've been just fantastic to me which I, I know doesn't happen all the time as well. We're going to unravel that story as we go, but why tennis initially? Was it just that there was a job there in tennis or was there a specific reason for why it was tennis with that first job? Um, I always did love tennis. Like I played not, not at a very high level at all. Um, cause you know, like anything, you can't really play every sport for too long. Um, but you know, me and my mum would always go to the Kuyong tennis classic each year and the Australian opens. So I had like a really big interest in tennis and then the, yeah, just, uh, I just, yeah, again, like super lucky when I graduated from uni that there was just this full-time role as a performance analyst and they were learning how to use and I'm sure people who are working in you know footy or playing footy now use like sports code or huddle like they'd just come up and started using this sports code product and yeah right place right time that to get full-time work in sport in that area is pretty rare so just yeah, I guess a combination where I was very lucky there was tennis, but happy to just be employed at one job full time and not worry about managing six different jobs. Yeah, yeah, you must be loving life at the moment. Of course, anyone can listen to this at any time, but it's January of 2024. So there's a lot of tennis on. Brisbane International, there's the, uh, what do they call that one in Perth? United Cup, Canada. yeah. United, United Cup, Cup. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then of course, Australian Open coming up real soon. Are you yeah. going to go to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's 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 interesting. I was actually speaking to um, an ex-tennis player last night um, who coincidentally now is at Port Melbourne playing footy, but I was saying, you know, when I first started at tennis, I was lucky enough to go on a lot of junior tours 
and it was, you know, I remember one of my first tours with with was with Alex Demonor, who was 13 at the time, showing my age. Um, <laughs> but it was like Alex Demonor, um, and then a few other of the like females that, oh, Alex, um, Alexi Popperin as well, and then like Kim Beryl, Maddie Inglis. Um, yeah, who else? Like Prehon, like kind of a lot of those players who are coming through at the moment. So I actually love going to even qualifying because a lot of those players, you know, who are more ranked 100 to 300 are going through those qualifying stages. So I'll go to a couple of days there and then, yeah, definitely spend a bit of time there through main draw as well. That's awesome. So those girls that you mentioned that are over in Perth, they're on the Richmond list, correct? Yep, yep. Are they from Perth or why have they gone back to Perth or gone over to so, Perth? Yeah, so one of them is Charlie Wicksteed we picked up um, in the draft last year. Um, so she is a hockey player. Um, she grew up playing hockey, has been playing footy for a year or two um, and, yeah, kind of made the really big move to, you know, never really lived out of home or, su- you know, super young, 20-year-old. Um, so she came over and moved to Richmond this season, um, had a, yeah, had a really good first season and then they kind of, the young ones sort of gravitated towards each other a little bit. So she's over there with um, Charlie Ryan, who um, was the youngest player on our list until their most recent draft. So I think she's pretty happy to have a couple of younger ones below her. And then Jemima Woods as well, who I actually played with um, back at Fairfield Bulldogs days. So, um, yeah, just really, really great, um, I guess, the future of the club that are coming through. What was last season like? Um, at AFL, Dubby, Richmond? Yeah, at Richmond, yeah. We'll yeah. stick with that one for now. Yeah, um, yeah, it was it was good. Like it was, I think, you know, it was it was interesting. The year before was the first time that we'd made finals um at Richmond, had a really good year where we finished top four. Um it was always gonna be a pretty tough year with the likes of like Courtney Wakefield finishing up, you know, for us. She was our main goal kicker, um, who all Australian forward as well. So I think probably initially we might not have realised the hole that she kind of left um, when she went. Um, I think for the team, really good year to, you know, we had some pretty like just strange injuries. Um, A lot of, you know, for Ellie McKenzie to go down round one, fracture her ankle, um, arguably sort of, you know, one of the best players in the league um, and that, left a pretty big hole for us through the midfield. Um, But I think with that, you get the players who step up and who you might not have seen as many games in them. I think one of them is like Charlie Wicksteed, um, who came in round three and then played the rest of the season. So silver line in that. And I think although we had some pretty hard injuries and some like, yeah, it was like really challenging times, we, you know, keep saying like we couldn't be prouder of, how the group responded every week. Um, I think one of the things that we're really blessed to have is some really experienced great leaders who, you know, keep the club, make our, like, life as staff a lot easier because they drive so much of it. They're really open to our feedback and our ideas, which is really nice. Um, And then, yeah, I guess the best thing is round 10, we believe, sort of our best game for the season and gives us a really good blueprint you know, going forward in what what we can expect and how we can train for next year. So, yeah, probably like a, a tough year and 
plenty of highs and lows. Um, round one beating Brisbane, you know, you think like, yep, great, we've done all the right things over pre-season. And, um, yeah, I think we were um, two wins, one loss going into, yeah, round round two then we played Adelaide off a five-day break. Um, playing Adelaide's tough any time of the year, let alone round two off a five-day break where you've gone from like the highest high of beating a team as good as Brisbane. Um, but, yeah, probably beat some teams who we thought we might not have beaten but then lost to some teams who I think if we had our time again, you know, the difference between making finals or not. So, um, yeah, my my first year as high-performance manager as well. So lots of learnings but absolutely loved it. I've had the pleasure and the privilege of being able to see some of the Richmond stuff thanks to you. And I was having a look through it last night and it reminded me of just how professional it is, the way that it's all set up. And I've I've also had the privilege of being able to see a few different AFLW clubs programs and the Richmond one is exceptional. And I actually said to someone early last season that you watch these guys are going to win a premiership in the next three years. So I'm going to put it out there and I'll say at least play in a grand final because anything can happen on grand final day. But I think that Richmond will be playing in an A4W grand in a grand final in the next three years because I just think the, the, the professionalism of the background structure from what I've seen looks exceptional, like exceptional. So good luck with it. I hope that it happens. But what's, what do you think is going to happen next, next season? What's it looking like at the moment? Um, yeah, I think obviously a grand final or a premiership in the next three years is definitely, I think, achievable, um, you know, for Richmond and probably that next step where it's the consistency. Um, it, I felt like it was a pretty interesting this year because of the – and every club had to go through it. So it's not – I don't think there's any excuses for any club, but it's also how – you know, clubs deal, deal with it as well. But I feel like this year we're going to be a lot more settled um, because we know the changes of the game. So last year was pretty interesting. Even in pre-season, we had to predict what the load was going to be for these girls like week to week. So obviously um, increasing quarter time, uh, rotation cap, which no club had ever had before, um, less time on the ground for the runners. So obviously that education piece is really important. Um, and I think there was a fair bit of like unknown from for last season and some clubs dealt with that really well Um and yeah, like like others didn't as well. Um, but I think Brisbane, yeah, obviously they lend themselves really well to that sort of explosive, like um, just absolute like physical beast as well in terms of their running capacity. Um, I'm pretty excited for this year. I think we did a lot of things right over the preseason. And again, I feel like, you know, it's that step up. So last season, the girls took that step up. And we if they we can probably roll out a really similar preseason, but they're going to know what's coming and be able to focus a little bit more on that side of speed, the high speed stuff, but also like the true footy stuff too. I think once you know that your running's there, your capacity is there, it's like all right, your extras can now come of really like match specific work, and I think that's going to be something really good for our group to work on. 
So interesting. So let's, I want to break this next part up into pre-season and in-season. For you as a high-performance manager, what does the week look like during the week during pre-season? Yeah. Um, so I guess it's hard because there's like three parts of pre-season. We've got like at the moment we're in like pre-pre-season and then, oh, wait, pre, pre-pre-season because it's like their off-season. And then yeah. the start of um, – the last week of Feb, we'll go into pre-pre-season. So we'll start kind of some organised groups um, with the girls. Like at the moment, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we've got like a little bit of like a run and gym crew that I'll just meet up with whatever girls are in Melbourne at the moment and just need a bit of help on running. Like I think you've still got this part in AFLW where there's still a bit of a gap between, and there always will be, like your real footballers who absolutely like can't stand the running like they'll get anxiety they just know that it's not like their strength but they're the players who are going to benefit from the running the most um so yeah at the moment it's kind of that Monday Wednesday Friday that we sort of spend at the club with it um in pre-season when we start um it's uh, so I think the best way for pre-season is and I've already sort of started now like again, reflecting on last season's blueprint, but I'll meet with um, our head coach. So Ryan Ferguson, um, like at the start of pre-season, sort of go through each week. But in terms of week to week, we'll meet up on a Monday and sort of plan um, the week. Um, I, Yeah, really respect Ferg and he's been, I know just working with him is a really easy coach to work with. Um, he's super like responsive to anything that we need to do physical wise, but also we have a good enough relationship that we can kind of chat through anything that we disagree on as well, which is really good. So we'll plan the week um, in terms of loads, balance between running and footy. Um, and then we'll have three main sessions a week. Um, a lot of it as well is about that kind of you know I think when you've got a list of 30 everyone's at a different stage in their season too so um, I'll meet on main training days with our high performance team so um, doctors physios and then we've got a rehab and an S&C coach um, and just make sure that we're all aligned I think a really big um, yeah, really big thing at any footy club is just being on the same page. So we say all the time, if an athlete comes to me or the physio or the um, rehab coach, like they're going to get the same answer. Um, I think it's hard if they don't get the right answer they want and then they'll go to the next person, go to the next person. So that's kind of our main training days are spent between those pre-training meetings um, and then the days in between are a real reflection piece. So you've kind of got your ideal load and what you want to get out of the week um, and then reflecting on, okay, did we get what we needed for that session? Um, tick, if we did, everything goes ahead for next one. If not, how do we need to change the next session? Um, we've been using wellness um really well I believe last season which I think really helped us to just sort of manipulate things if we needed to um and then plan ahead so yeah it's it's pretty kind of like hands-on in terms of in pre-season um but again some aspects of it are a bit easier because the athletes are there so in this pre-pre-pre whatever we're up to time you have to (laughs) I find myself messaging 10 girls every couple of days because you're checking in with them all the time. You're making sure they're, 
you know, kind of doing the right things and not sore and like responding really well. So um, pre-season's a pretty cool feel because you just live in each other's pockets and you don't really, you're kind of in your footy bubble and can bounce off each other really well. And so what about, how does that differ then to in-season? Yeah, so in-season, I guess the focus goes more towards that performance aspect. Um, And I think, like, that's a really big education piece too, like knowing I I try and emphasise in pre-season and in-season as well, but, like, what the main theme of is for that day, like for more so from a um, strength and conditioning point of view. But like, yeah, Monday is our speed day. So we need to hit this speed. This is why um, Wednesday we might do more of our like change of speed, acceleration, deceleration stuff. And then, you know, your Friday or Saturday is more of like your volume sessions. So um, I think that education piece helps a lot where it's like, okay, you get to Friday, Saturday, you might be a bit domsy, but we're actually not doing speed today, so you'll be all right just to kind of get volume and a bit more aerobic training. Be it's like it's kind of okay to be sore. Um, whereas in season, a lot of it um, is about finding that sweet spot with each athlete. So I guess like a big one for us last year, um, so in season seven, like Katie Brennan, for example, um, and just in her past as well has had some – unfortunate injuries um with a foot in particular but we we found and again it was because of work from previous seasons as well it wasn't just a unicorn thing that we were lucky enough to get but after a lot of trial and error and going through a lot of data we were able to see what her sweet spot is when she was sore and when she was able to perform at her best so um a lot of in season yeah there's still a lot of individual management that goes on for each player Um, and a lot of that just comes back to I think just relationships like knowing your players making sure you give them I guess um, like a medium where they can give you feedback as well it might be wellness it might be touch points with girls and you get the most and I'm sure you're the same you get the most random text messages or phone calls some days that you know you're like part of you is like why are you telling me this? But you're also like, okay, this is good you're telling me this. Um, so I think just that, yeah, always providing that platform for them to give feedback and um, may, sometimes not too much feedback, but, yeah, just kind of staying in tune with them throughout the season in particular for performance, um, which I think also kind of building on that, it's not just with me and the coach, but I think for the assistant coaches, for the physios, for the S&C people to know, you know, what players we need for certain positions or for that upcoming week so they can prioritise certain training aspects that gets them up for games as well. Yeah, talking about that wellness, um, I like to ask five questions before every single session, which is things to do, you know, how fatigued do you, how stressed do you, how was your quality of sleep the last three nights? Um, but w- one of my favourites is RPE and what I like doing with RPE is timesing it by session duration and so then tracking that on a graph. Um, so I'm, I'm just only talking about this so that the people that are listening can sort of get yeah. ideas for different examples but I really – and even like measuring heart rate, resting heart rate when you first wake up just to check if that – you know, because if that starts to spike then that's, you know, usually meaning that you're starting to overtrain but um, 
one of my favorites is that one I just mentioned, which is timesing session duration in minutes by RPE, um, yeah. which is a scale out of 10. And often what you'll see is that when that starts to sort of go up really quickly, it's often followed by an injury or an illness. And if you have an injury or an illness, you can see that if you've been tracking it, and you would love this as a data nerd, that yeah. you can see that there was like a spike in, in load before that. Is there anything else that you use? Um, yeah, definitely that wellness part's really good. Um, I I like having, and again, like it, it's so individualised, like it's some some athletes love doing it and some hate doing it and that's fine. Um, but for us, the wellness piece works really well to organise, you know, even a lot of our staff, like our physios, our doctors, like they're not full-time. So if we can get our athletes to kind of pre-screen and we know again how we can, you know, prioritise who we need to see for those sessions already rather than them walking in and going like, you know, you're about to start warm up and they're going, oh, my calf's sore. It's like, okay, well, we could have seen you before training if we had a known. So um, I think definitely I love asking um, like one of the questions we added in this year was just their readiness to train. So I think it tells you a lot, you know, and I think I use a scale of like, you know, I'm ready to run through a wall um, or I'm like, yeah, feel like I'm excited to train or like, nah, I'm not that excited to train. So, um, and again, it's more about that normal. Like if I know that there's some girls in our group that would never be excited to run through a wall to train, like, but they'll still train really hard. It's just not their personality. Um, so I really like that. Um, one of the things I guess that we can sort of track, um, from a like fatigue point of view. And one of the things I've been doing a little bit more of, this off season, especially we've had one of our players who was inactive last year who we're returning to play, Tessa Levy, um, but looking really specifically at like the number of accelerations, decelerations and just that change of direction. I think that is the next kind of piece in the fatigue index and, um, yeah, different. You can do, you know, 6K, 6K, but it's more about the makeup of the of that 6k and what it is um and I think on that RPE duration like even one of the things I found when we were at Geelong was and maybe it was because you know again when you've been doing RPE for a long time sometimes people just get used to it but we found even purely using duration was really effective as well so even stripping out you know keeping that total RPE of both but even just looking at time as a factor um, especially in games, we know like if a player plays an extra 10 minutes, like that could be an extra K or two that you might need to minimise, you know, kind of monitor them um, or change their load during the week to kind of compensate for that. So for anyone that's wondering what RPE stands for, RPE stands for Rate of Perceived Exertion. It's a scale from 1 to 10. I like to say that 10 is you know, one more rep or of anything, whether it's lifting something or running something and call me an ambulance. Yeah. And one is like sitting on the couch watching Netflix, eating popcorn. Um, but I want to go back to that one about readiness to train. Is that purely mental, purely physical, or a combination of both based on how the athlete interprets that for them that day? Yeah, combination of both. Um I think it just gives you a really good understanding of 
um, probably, yeah, probably more so mentally where they're at. Like, you know, I, I think it can be a good flag if there's a few days that they're not that excited to train for or they're not that excited by footy. It's like, hey, yeah, this is your job, but you're still you know, it's, you're still going to be best when you're looking forward to it and you want to do it. Same as any, you know, same as a job for you and I, like if we're passionate about something, we're going to put more into it and really enjoy it. Um, You know, we had a player come to us during the season, this season and just say like, Hey, I think it was kind of going into round eight and she was just like, Hey, I'm just like, like, I just feel flat. I just feel fatigued. Um, like, I don't know what it is, this, this and this. And I was like, cool, like, have like have tomorrow off. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, yeah, like, have tomorrow off, get away, like, have some time to yourself. Um, she was one of our players who did 100% of pre-season, um, doesn't miss a session, doesn't miss a beat on anything, like, has really high expectations of herself. And I just said, like, yeah, miss that, but also like go follow up with the doctor um, and chat through, you know, stuff that I'm not qualified to chat through. Um, and I think in the end, she kind of ended up taking a week or two off work as well. Um, and that stage of the season, like again, after the season came up and was just like, thank you so much for that. I'm like, nah, thank you for feeling com- like comfortable to actually come and say that because there's always things that we can do to modify um, you know, modify. And again, it's knowing your athletes. Like I think, you know, there might be girls who walk up to any day and say, I'm flat and you go, yeah, get out there and train, like just do it. But there's certain personalities that, um, yeah, you've got to actually listen and respond if they put themselves in that vulnerable state to express it as well. So this interview so far hasn't been typical of how it normally goes because normally from the very start, I go right back to childhood and say, tell me about your life, and we've got straight, stuck straight into Richmond. So let's start to wind back, and I want to hear a bit more of the Eliza Morrison story, and I'm going to start by keeping it related. How did you end up with this job at Richmond? Um, yeah, so I guess, and like we've already touched on tennis and Geelong side of things. So that's, um, yeah, that's good. So when I think it was 2018, I was working at Geelong. Um, my husband, he works in cricket um, and he was at Cricket Australia. He grew up in Darwin um, and he kind of came home one day. We always had this dream to, you know, work away, work somewhere. I thought it was going to be somewhere you know, glamorous like London or New York or, you know, go work at a college in the States or something. And Joel was like, hey, do you want to move to Darwin? I was just like, wow, not what I was expecting, but sure, like let's do it. So um, we moved over really lucky where it was right before COVID. So I feel like we gained an extra two years of our life. Um, Funnily enough, like up to that point, I hadn't played football before, so I was the old story where I did Oz kick, but then footy never really existed um, when I was young. So I played a season of basketball, um, and then I remember basketball season finished, and I was like, "Oh, like what do we do now?" And then one of the girls was like, "Come along to footy," um, and like now we play footy. I was like, "Okay, I haven't played footy, but yeah, sure." the old, you know, intentions of I'm just going to go down to train and then all of a sudden I was playing um, 
and just kind of like, yeah, fell in love with footy, um, was around Darwin doing a few different jobs, um, lucky enough to get a job at AFLNT, um, which progressed into being their high performance manager. So when they had a VFLW and NEFL team um, along with kind of the underage 16s and 18s Thunder Academies. Um, it was a pretty cool setup where we had, and I obviously can't speak for what they have now, so it might still be really similar, but external provider of um, physio and medical where we had territory sports medicine. So I learned a lot from, um, I guess, even just like the communication side of things and rehab with athletes and all that sort of thing. Again, managing physios and doctors who were part-time. So it's like you have to kind of use your resources with the athletes rather than relying on them. Um, And then I started after I'd played, I think, a season or two in Darwin, um, one of the girls in my team, Michaela Ward, um, just said to me like, hey, like you should go and play VFL. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, why not? And it just turned out I was down back in Melbourne for a wedding and there was a tryout for Bulldogs. So I did that um, and then travelled back and forth for a couple of seasons just to Victoria playing VFL. So I was I was lucky enough where when that happened, I actually transitioned out of AFLNT and started doing a PhD. So probably for the reason of having a flexible job where I could play footy. Um, so really lucky where Joel was really supportive for me that I would go and, you know, maybe spend like, three or four weeks at a time, like in Melbourne, kind of training, playing, and then come back and forth to Darwin. Um, Yeah, it was a train on at Bulldogs with the AFL team, which was really cool, Um, doing this PhD. And then the PhD was in cricket, um, data, all those sorts of things. But two years in, um, yeah, just was really struggling. Like it was just not loving it, Um, was pretty isolating. Like it was kind of during COVID. I'm not a person who can sit in a room by myself all day um, and love it. So I, yeah, decided to stop my PhD. Um, And I think that was three three weeks left of the Bulldog season. Um, And I was like, cool, I'll just stay in Melbourne, play the rest of the VFLW, come back. I was thinking, you know, maybe try and get a job at, um, at the uni or something or, you know, just working working in Darwin and then played two more games and then I remember it was a week of our last game and I got a call from the Richmond um, head of women's footy so Kate Sheehan called me we kind of knew each other um, kind of background from tennis um, and then Richmond had called me Richmond had called me the year before to offer me a train on spot with their AFLW and I was already training on at Bulldogs and, you know, said like, yep, thanks, but no thanks. So Kate called me and I was like, she going to offer me to be on their list? Like, I didn't know what, what it was for. <laughs> I was like, I was like, does Richmond want me to play? Does like, obviously was not that good enough for that. Um, but yeah, she just said to me like, hey, are you, I think she messaged me and said, where are you living at the moment? And I was like, okay, I don't want to miss any opportunity again so (laughs) wherever you want me to live (laughs) yeah so I was just like oh I'm at the moment I'm in you know at the the moment I'm in Victoria but still traveling back and forth because I didn't know what like what she was talking about it was very cryptic and then my phone rang um and two days later I had yeah this full-time role at Richmond so basically their operations um 
manager had left. He'd actually gone to cricket to work for Joel, which is crazy. Um, This role opened with ops. But, again, it was kind of more of a part-time role and they were like, yep, if we do a bit of ops, bit of high performance, bit of analytics, we'll couple it all into a full-time role and um, did that for the year. And then our high-performance manager who was there for that year, who I learned a lot off, like he, and I worked with him at Geelong as well, Matt Parker, he was fantastic. Um, he left, Kate said to me, would you want to do high-performance manager? And I was like, I don't think so. Um, my initial response, um, yeah, I was just kind of loving what I was doing and, um, yeah, wasn't too sure about it. And then I, again, wanted to keep learning, reflected. I was like, no, nah, okay, like let's do it. And I think I've just been blown away by how much I've loved the role and, yeah, feel feel really grateful for that opportunity. So what was the PhD? Did it actually have a title? What what specifically was that about? Yeah, so it was essentially working um, with Cricket Australia's AMS or Athlete Management System, like with their data set. So they worked with this um, company, Smarterbase, who has their own athlete management system, but all the data was already there. So all the data had been, there was no like data collection period for me, which I think on reflection was one of the, best parts I loved about like my honours and my master's research was that like hands-on data collection and I think the way my brain works as well is like the problem solving behind it so being there for the whole process I think I really struggled with just giving this data I didn't know how valid the data was because again we're talking about like RPE data wellness data injury data performance um it was dealing with like so the Australian cricketers, um, so right from kind of their junior programs through to um, the elite, um, you know, Australian men's and women's teams as well, and kind of looking at um, yeah the whole like injury wellness like data side of things. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned before that you were working at Geelong. How did you end up at Geelong and what was that role all about? Yes, so I was working previously at Tennis Australia um, at like absolute dream job. Like I would go to US Open for two, three weeks, stay in the middle of New York, catch a bus out to the US Open each day, same as Wimbledon, like you'll get like an Airbnb for three weeks in the middle of Wimbledon, go to tennis, like absolute like a lot of travel but really really good job and I think I had a really good manager at the time who again had an awesome job and I was like I don't think he's going to leave any time soon um I'm in like my dream job but I need to kind of keep progressing and then I had a really good friend um Jackie Tran who was working at Geelong at the time um and she yeah just basically called me and said hey one of our um, footy analyst has left. Um, I think you'd be, yeah, really good for the role. Like, would you be keen? Again, was not unhappy at tennis, but just keen to kind of keep evolving. Um, so then, yeah, was lucky enough to get that gig at Geelong. It started as like a pretty, like, pure footy analyst role. So, um, you know, game day in the box, I'd be working pretty closely with. Um, midfield coach Matthew Knights and we'd kind of sit there and replay stoppages and have a look at 
potential like stats, like how many clearances certain opposition players had or our players had, um, doing kind of preview documents on who who will play in and then review of our game. Um, I think once once I kind of was able to use a bit more of my high performance stuff as well as the analyst, I started being a bit of a conduit between like the coaches and the performance staff. Like there's a lot, as you would know, in footy clubs, a lot of push and shove between like coaches wanting players to play and physios wanting to like, you know, do the right thing and like manage and look after these players. And um, naturally they both challenge each other. And I, I don't know, Some somehow I kind of found myself in the middle, like being in the middle um, in terms of like conversations, but also helping out with like loads data and smarter base and working in that. So, um, yeah, that was kind of how I ended up at Geelong. And again, I think just lucky enough to be at a really good organisation where I start with one role but kind of evolves to meet a lot of my passions, which was pretty cool. I know that there was a guy that uh, I call him the grandfather of strength and conditioning in the AFL, that's Loris Bertolacci, and I was working with him at the NTIS, the Institute of Sport, and um, he had massive wraps on you. I just left working there at the time. I think that you'd come up and started working at AFL and T. And he said, there's this lady, she's doing a PhD, she's worked at Geelong and Loris, apart from three other AFL clubs, had worked at Geelong for a long period of time and developed a lot of the 2007 Premiership side. And um, he just, I remember him talking about, like, you're the best thing since sliced bread. So from Geelong, where to from there? Because I think that this is where we start to get into now coming to Darwin and working with AFL and T. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, very, very nice of Loris to say. I think that, yeah, he was probably had a lot of years um, and knowledge experience on me, so very humbled by that comment, Loris. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, kind of like was at Geelong again, really happy. I think the best, the best, if anyone wants to leave a job, like the best time to do it is just when you can blame your partner. Like Joel <laughs> got his job in Darwin and I just feel like I was so sad to leave Geelong but it made the process so good in terms of like just keeping that relationship open and like, yeah, I, again, like I just can speak so fondly of my memories at Geelong because I left on such good terms. Not that it was ever not going to be good terms, but um yeah, feel pretty lucky in kind of how I transitioned out of that and then moved to Darwin um, with no no job or anything like that. Um, and, yeah, I think they always do it in jobs where they're like, yep, yeah, just don't worry about anything, come over, we'll, we'll get you. Um, I think we'll – I don't know if we're married. No, we weren't married then. So we'll get, your, we'll get your fiancé like a job, we'll get your partner a job, we'll find you a house, and then you get there and you're like, I don't have a job. Like, what am I doing? So, um, yeah, I, I started working at NTIS um, in their athlete management system. So I had from that experience at Geelong, um, I've worked um, pretty close with Smarterbase um, and, yeah, worked with that software and then – because NTIS were using it, um, I think an element might have been, um, you know, they just kind of needed to, I don't know if I can say it, get rid of some money. So they're like, yep, come and we'll pay you to do these sort of projects. Um, so, yeah, did a little bit of that. I worked with, um, as a bit of performance analysis stuff with 
netball um, as well with Penny. I remember I went away and did some netball stuff. I think I went away, did some basketball coaching. So kind of initially was just doing like a little bit in each sport. Um, And then again, you know, it's so hard managing all different jobs. So ended up um, with a role at, yeah, and initially, um, again, there was already a high performance manager at AFLNT. So I just came in to start doing like kind of working with their GPS data and helping a little bit with like huddle and sports code and then hung around for long enough where, yeah, again, was lucky enough to get a full-time role. So where is move away from your professional career and into your playing career? What sports are you playing at the moment and where are you at with those sports? Um, I like to say I'm retired from footy. Um, <laughs> what? My husband's still laughing at me for that. Um, I, yeah, I guess, again, like just, I don't know, like blessed with the journey that I've had. Grew up playing basketball um, and then after I finished playing basketball, just fell in fell in love with running and just like the freedom of it. Um I think I've what I've learned about myself the last few years is I'm a real like maximizer. So I think for me is like bang for your buck with exercise and with everything. And that's where running, when I was traveling with tennis and stuff, like running was just so good where it's like no better exercise that you can do, you know, in terms of minutes versus what you get out of it. Um, and so, yeah, it was like playing basketball, running. And then I think when I started playing footy was just that, I was like, wow, this is cool. Like I was okay at basketball, but I was never the most skillful. Like I played in some really good teams, but I think I was more there for kind of vibes and just, you know, just like be being there um, and bringing people together and stuff. So I was never really, really tall or like super skillful to be how small I was. So, um, yeah, fell in love with running because I think, again, that bang for your buck. Like I love, I mean, with footy, I love that, the more you put in, it's obviously was such a new skill, but you can really see those rewards. Like even if your skills aren't a hundred percent, you can just get better at running, get it, get better at getting contest to contest. Like it's so rewarding in that area. So um, I, when I moved across to Richmond last season, I was like, well, it's going to be a bit awkward if I like play at Bulldogs, but work at Richmond. So they have their reserves team. They don't have a VFLW team. They have an affiliated one with Port Melbourne. So I went back and moved um, to Port Melbourne last season. Um, And yeah, I was lucky enough to win the premiership with them, which was a pretty cool season. Um, We we were pretty bad in, in the practice matches kind of, couple of thrashings I remember saying to my dad he's like well like what do you reckon where are you at and I'm like oh we're pretty middle tier like we'll probably make finals but you know maybe maybe win a game or two but I I think we're a little bit off um and then yeah just our team just really came together um and then yeah won the premiership with them um and then yeah I guess like finished the season and just decided to yeah, it got pretty hard, like, working VFL um, and then, you know, I'd do a whole day of training, like, maybe 10 till 6 at Richmond and then I'd rush straight to um, VFL training, be there maybe 6 till 9.30 and then have to be back at, like, we'd do MSAC strength sessions at 6am on a Tuesday morning. So um, for me, I think I just kind of wanted to, yeah, have have a year off for now and just 
get back into some running and try and be better at my job at Richmond just by servicing and running with the players and doing those sorts of things, which has paid off. So currently no sports, but I also feel like I've had a very good preseason because I've just been doing it um, with the AFLW girls, which has been a lot of fun. I was about to say, what are you going to do with your spare time? But it doesn't sound like there is much spare time uh, <laughs> without playing footy. Uh, but surely there's some kind of competitive, I know you've mentioned running, surely there's going to be some competitive itch that you're going to need to scratch. Yeah, I, I think so. And I don't, I am actually going back to uni, um, which is, I haven't really told many people, but I'm going back to do my Masters of Analytics. Um, that starts in March, so that's a pretty exciting chapter. Um, yeah, honestly, I think just I think just being healthy and just staying fit and I think I think competitiveness and again like I'm in a pretty lucky period like professionally where that I think it just it is so like I'm so passionate drives me so much at the moment that um yeah I I don't think I need to scratch that itch at the moment but in saying that I've been going to Port Melbourne training still once a week um and just kind of like hanging around if there's someone who is doing rehab running I'll run with them um I might end up you know helping out on game days or doing something like that um but again it's just to keep that relationship alive like we'll have a lot of our AFLW girls go back to VFL this season so we'll see what happens my husband still umpires um so he umpires VAFA um in Melbourne so we'll see how my Saturdays go while he's umpiring. I might slot back into some local footy or something like that. You might even start running a boundary. <laughs> but I don't think you'll have any issues with your competitive itch in your role that you've got there as a high performance manager because you'll be riding those ups and downs as the AFLW season you know, goes on next season. So I think there won't be any issue with that. Um, last one, I just, I'm glad you brought up running because I want to touch on running as well. You started a running group called Wobbly Legs and it was Wobbly Legs Wednesday, WWW. <laughs> How did that come about and where's that at now? Is it still happening down there in Melbourne? Yeah, so um, Wobbly Legs, I was actually, when I was back working at tennis, so I think I have it all. We've got, of course, we've got merch, best part of a running club. I have it on my merch. I think it was like 2015. Um, I started doing a little bit of distance running and then was training for a marathon and just once a week, like with a friend, we just started doing um, an interval session and then it kind of just grew and grew. So we, I was doing it with a girl from tennis and then that little like, you know, it's actually, I actually compare the Olympic Park precinct, like the Marara precinct, where it's like you've got so many different footy clubs around and, you know, we'd go to the track and then all of a sudden you're friends with some people from Melbourne Storm. So they'd come down and then one of the guys who was working at Richmond at the time came down and it just kind of evolved where we would, you know, kind of have 10 to 15 people um, doing this like running interval session. Um, and I think for me, Again, like I never did it as um, like anything, like I've never made any money out of it or anything like that. It's more just my mentality is always like, oh, well, if I'm going to run, like who can come with me and how can I get a social interaction out of like maximise that time as well. Um, so then when we went to Darwin, it was great because we just did once a, once a week at Marara 
run club, um, yeah, they were pretty popular. We kind of get as good rivalry. We get a lot of people from the NTFL clubs, um, even in season, just come and do some speed work um, and kind of, you know, a bit of footy banter as well. Um, I've I stopped um, in the AFLW season last year, and I have had a few people ask kind of when's it going back. I think in my mind I don't want to like start it and then like be away a week and then be you know on for a week I'm very like I think when we did it in Darwin we literally did a week straight I mean a year straight of Wednesday so even when COVID was on um we kind of did remote sessions or like you know dial in um if it was raining we'd still be there so I think for me because I'm so all or none I'm not quite ready to go back to it yet but I've been doing a few like just you know, running programs for people who are still keen to do that sort of um, running stuff. So, yeah, I'm trying to work out where I can fit it in at the moment. And so what's next for Eliza in life? Um, gosh, I think um, I probably need to work out. I've, I've been lucky again where, um, you know, I'm filling so many different buckets and, so many passions at the moment. Um, I think for me it's working out like where where's going to be like the, again, the best bang for my buck um, that I can do. So I think I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty excited by probably the next challenges of the next two years in particular. So for me that the uni aspect um, developing in that area um, and probably, you know, I've only done a year in the high performance manager role. So I think, if I can get another year or two, just like, like losing my learnings, um, learning off the men's program as well. Um, yeah, I think that's probably where I'm at at the moment. I feel just kind of stabilizing for a year or two and then, um, yeah, probably reassess after that. Eliza, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you've done with so many people and helping them improve their performance and ultimately their life. And thank you so much for your time today on the Women's Footy Podcast. No worries at all. And I think thank you so much for having me and also just continuing your stuff in the Territory. I love watching along, seeing all AFLW girls progress through. And, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be sort of somewhat part of the journey as well. Thank you so much.